All around the world, people are floundering. There's something missing, something more that they just can't grasp. Do you feel it too? Welcome to the Higher Purpose Podcast. Every week, host Kevin Monroe will help you navigate to your true north and flourish in faith, business, and life. You found us for a reason. Stay tuned to find out why. Hey, it's Kevin Monroe, and I want to welcome you to episode 19 of the Higher Purpose Podcast. And wow, do we have a special Navigating North episode in line for you on today's podcast. I've come through over 300 pages of the transcripts and picked out some of my favorite moments from our recent Navigating North Summit. Over five days in October and November, we share deep and insightful conversations with some of the most purpose-driven individuals I know. And we're highlighting those conversations for you today, threading them together in a way that I believe you'll enjoy and I believe you'll get some of the, the real nuggets in just the short amount of time that we spend together today. So let's get started with Tom Winninger. One of the most poignant moments of our conversation was when Tom talked about gifts and gifting. You know, there is one thing I do differently than other people that comes to me. Not that I do better. There's no better in gift because there's no comparison in gift. Whoa, 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 whoa. There is no better in gift? There's no better in gift. I don't do this better than you. I do this. has no relationship with you. And you can't compare to discover uniqueness. Yeah, there's no uniqueness in comparison. You know that truth. You've repeated that to me a few times. Oh, yeah, I told you. I wish I had written those six words. Uniqueness is never identified in comparison exactly. because we live in a comparative culture. Um, oh, probably yeah. in the last few minutes, you've compared your life to someone else's via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, something, and you go, oh, my gosh, I don't measure up. That's right. I will always fail in comparison. Yeah. That's work, in working with corporate American manufacturers, I would say we fail in, in competing because in competing, we're comparing. Yeah. And in comparing, we will fail. There is no success in comparison. There's only success in self-understanding, if you want to use the word success. Yeah. So the better I come to understand myself in my uniqueness, aside from everyone else, and in the environment in which I am called to apply it is where I take my leadership role. Hmm. It's an internal thing, not an external thing. A few minutes later, Tom went on to explain one of the deep truths about gifts through a question he gets asked all the time. And people will say to me, well, there can't be that. There can't be, you know, 500 million gifts. No, but there can be 500 unique differences yeah. in which the, the gift is applied because the uniqueness of the gift is not just in the gift. Yeah. It's in the whoa, opportunity. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The uniqueness of the, the gift, gift is not just oh, in yeah. the gift. Right. Beautiful. It's not just in the gift. It's in the application yeah. of the gift because I meet other people who can unpack yeah. what I would call relatively complicated situations to the obvious. Right. But we're so differently unique. And, and what makes they us have different unique? Things in their life. What makes us unique? It's our journey. 
it's our heritage. It's our experience, right? Those all, personality. It's everything that happens to us. It's yeah. why did I end up in broadcast journalism? Why did I end up with an NBC affiliate? Why did I lose that job? In all honesty, <laughs> yeah. I think we're all dead now, but why did I lose that job and end up with a bank holding company? Why did I give up that job to go to work for my father? Why did I do something that all of a sudden got me some attention to lead to speaking? And why did I just speak and then all of a sudden discover in my speaking, what was I doing? Mm. Because we don't give a speech, we do something in the speech. Yeah, That's what I say to people. You, you don't do a job, you do something in the job. Mm. And the value of what you do in the job is more important than the job. You know, that couldn't be more true. The value of what you do in the job is way more important than the job itself. But how many of us consider our jobs, our nine to fives, to be our full body of work? Todd Henry weighs in on what your body of work truly is. You know, most of us, when we're talking about this stuff, we're talking about our career. It's, I'm talking about the entire portfolio of activity in your mm. life. So mm. all of the, your body of work is everything you do. It's not just your job. It's everything okay. you do. Stop. Say that okay. again, Todd, because th- some folks, this is a wake-up call for. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I think- Body you know, of we, work we think, is all of life. It's, all, it's, it's any place you add value where it didn't previously exist. So it is mm. your job. It's your family. It's how you treat the barista at Starbucks. It's your yes. civic involvement. It's you know, your community involvement. It's your church involvement or your, your faith community involvement, whatever that is for you. It, it's all of those things. Um, and, and, and it's how you develop yourself. So what does that look like in practice? Well, Todd shares the example of someone in middle management. To the outside world, they would not be deemed as terribly important. You're not as important as the CEO or somebody who's like managing the department or something. Those are the important people. But this person has a child with a disability at home. And this person is extremely active in the school parent community and this person is uh, very generous in how they they give to you know even financially even though they don't have a lot but they're very generous in how they give to organizations that matter to them that person may be building a more substantial and beautiful body of work than the CEO of the company who you know is neglecting his or her family um, you know, is not generous at all, but is obsessed with having more, you know, I'm stereotyping here a little bit, but I'm doing that in order to prove the point, which is maybe the most important element of your body of work, your primary calling is your family, period, yeah. Yeah. period. It is. And so if that means you turn down opportunities, and I do this, I'll just be honest, do this on a regular basis. If there's an opportunity that is going to limit my family's freedom, that is going to cause us to have to, in some way, compromise our core values, you know, or, and then not in a like obviously unethical way, but no, this is kind of a violation of our core values. We don't, you know, or whatever. If, if, if there's something that's going to cause us to do that, then we'll, we'll say no. And it's not because, you know, it's because the body of work is not just the, the job, the body of work is how are we approaching yeah. our life with integrity in such a way that we can look back in 20, 30 years and point to it and say, yes, that represents me. And that's, I believe right. the ultimate goal. It's true that your purpose arises from you and your body of work. However, your purpose shouldn't be exclusively about you. It must transcend you to truly tap into significance. Listen 
as Todd explains. When we think about purpose and mission, we often think about ourselves, you know, I mean, I think that's the natural way that humans are wired is to think about yourself and what do I like doing and what would yeah. I enjoy and what, you know, um, which is fine. There's a certain element of that that's, that's important. I mean, I think if you don't, in some way, if you don't find yourself enjoying the work that you're doing, um, I'm not saying all the time, but in some capacity, then I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to feel like drudgery. Now, we don't all get to love what we do all the time, but over time, we navigate toward work that we enjoy more than, wow. than, yeah. um, than we don't like it. But ultimately, I believe that your mission, your calling is not about you. It's about the other people around you. It's about the impact that you're having, about how you're pouring yourself into those people. Uh, it's about uh, you know, ensuring that you are positioning yourself to be able to be a blessing and a gift mm -hmm. to the people around mm -hmm. you in some capacity, bringing your passion, skills, and experiences to bear against important things and or important problems so that you can be of service to others. So um, we have to also decouple from this notion that my calling is about being fulfilled and, you know, and, and finding, finding purpose. And, and very rarely are people who just do what they want to do all day fulfilled. Yeah. Um, usually, and that's why, I mean, we've seen the statistics that people who retire early tend to die quicker. Why? Yeah. Because they're just doing what they want all day. And that's not a very fulfilling life. Yeah. But when you're acting on behalf of others and you feel like you're on mission, you're doing something to make the world around you better, then it creates a sense of purpose, of mission, of, of fulfillment, of focus that uh, is hard to replicate in any other way. People who retire early often die early. Now that's a sobering bit of research. And it's something one of our speakers, Craig Juntinen, experienced firsthand. And he came out of retirement to do something truly amazing. There wasn't a specific moment where the switch was flipped, but there was there was a pretty stiff wind behind my back the whole way that was eye-opening. I mean, and, and when I got to the very first orphanage and saw these kids and put that in uh, some sort of reflection to the childhood I had mm -hmm. you know, with Little League and ice cream and bicycles and, you know, all the, you know, suburban middle-class Americana. And, and then the, this picture was very, very different, but we were yeah. still, it was, we were all kids, right? And, and right. Just, you know, just, so it was a, um, you know, just a set of circumstances that got me to the point where I said, I, I, I'm going to do something. And I, I don't know what that something is mm. quite yet, but I can't not come here mm. and see this and walk away unaffected wow. and, and not do something. Wow. And so it was that voice in the back of my head, this do something voice that ultimately said, well, let's go ahead and adopt. Craig had a stiff wind at his back that helped him arrive at his purpose. Another of our guests, Giovanna Allison, found her way in a single event. It involved loss and heartache. Honestly, folks, pain is often the prompt that moves many people towards purpose. You know, several years ago, one of my very good friends passed away at the young age of 42. Mm. 
And she had done so much with her life. I knew her very well. She was beautiful inside and out and just had a lot going for her. She did a lot with her life, but I knew her. I knew that she wanted to do so much more. And, you know, the cancer diagnosis came in October and she was gone two months later, just wow. two months later. And on Christmas Eve of all days, and when she passed away, uh, you know, a shifting happened inside of me where I prayed and I said, God, please don't let me let another person die with their songs still inside mm. of them. And that's when I became passionate, when I really became driven and focused to helping other people live their lives on purpose. But what if it's not so simple for you? What if you have no idea what your purpose is? Take a lesson from Mark Tim. Finding his own path was very different. We oftentimes, when we're most in need of purpose, we're the most lost yeah. you know, for it. And so I got to tell you that, uh, you know, that, that in, when I get in those situations, when I can have enough, enough wisdom about me to realize that I'm there, you know, that's when I sit down and start taking inventory. Mm. I literally take inventory in my life. What do I, you know, what feels right in my life and what feels wrong in my life? What, what do I feel confident about and what do I feel confused about? And literally I take physical inventory on a yellow notepad and, and I, I capture this inventory of where I'm at and it becomes very clear wow. because when I'm in points of confusion and chaos and lack of purpose, the notepad is so much more full. You know, on the areas uh, that I'm struggling versus the areas that I, you know, feel like I'm doing well. And I also reach out to people that are in my life, mentors. And it's not that I'm looking for someone to give me advice. Sometimes we just got to talk through this stuff. Sometimes we just need people to listen and ask yeah. the right questions and we'll figure it out ourselves. And so you sometimes can't see the forest through the trees. Yeah. So need someone to help you kind of, you know, look at the forest and, and mm. pick out the trees. And so, you know, so I'll find myself reaching out to people in my life that I know and trust just to talk through and have them ask me the right questions, not to tell me what my purpose is. It almost always uh, unveils itself to me when I take the time to take inventory, really look at my life and then have the courage to involve a couple other people that I trust Without a doubt, I follow that process. My purpose starts to become clear again, and, and I, get, I get a lot of fuel from that. Wow. Okay. Well, Mark, I did not see that coming. That wasn't really uh, – that's just a bonus to this conversation, and that's a rich bonus. Uh, so here's what I heard you say, if I could summarize that. You, you look to others not for an answer but for an ear. Yep people that you know and trust, and, and just through conversation, uh, and, and you know, there's an, a, a practice uh, that the Quakers had called the Clarity Council, and I love the Clarity Council. The Clarity Council is, is for a situation that you're describing, you, you invite a circle of friends around you, and all they can do is ask questions. They cannot give advice, and they cannot ask the kind of questions, well, don't you think you should? But it's really just not, not, you know, not leading questions, just questions, and let you find what's in you. 
And, and I think you have to do that because nobody can tell you what your purpose is. I, I just don't believe that at all. I don't believe anybody can tell you what your purpose is. And so, but people can ask you questions that draw that out from yeah. you. And I'll be remiss not to say as well that I, I'm a faithful guy and, and I, have a, I have a prayer life. And so, but what I can tell you is, is that my prayer life cycles as well around my clarity and my confusion points. But yeah. what I found is, is that there are places, physical places that I feel mm. closer to God. Mm. And during these times, I go to those places. I have, a, I have a lake on my property and on that dock with the water. That's where I feel the closest, okay? You know, and that's where I feel the closest. So when I, when I am on this kind of search for clarity, mm. I put myself in environments where I, I feel you know, like, like I'm not alone. Like there's, there's somebody bigger than me. That's, that's looking out for my purpose, uh, not just me. And, and I think that's a, that's an important piece to my equation as well. I love that Mark was quick to point out while we can learn from others, others can't make our decisions for us. And that's scary. Listen in as Dima Gawi shares her story. With life, what we are learning, whether we like it or not, is that we need to make peace with making mistakes. We need to figure out how to grow beyond the mistakes. And we need to, and I, I, like, I need to keep reminding this to myself too, is to learn, to continue to learn. Because we see mistakes as the evil, but really, when I look back at my mistakes, they have been a blessing. Um, of course, we prefer not to make them, and I prefer to learn lessons in life away from these mistakes, but we have no choice, so we just need to make peace with it and reprogram our brain from after we make a mistake from beating ourselves up into something else and stopping and saying, what, what is the lesson? Who do I need to ask for help? How can I do things differently? And I know this is more like theory, and it's easy to say, but really when I look back, This is one of the biggest lessons I learned in my life, which is make mistake, make peace with it, move on. And back to your question about the the straight line to our purpose, it doesn't work that way. I really (laughs) wish. What I realize it is a lot of hard work, a lot of investments, a lot of asking for help, a lot of receiving help. It's, and it continues. And, um, and it's layers and layers. You think you, you, you got to where you want and you realize, oh, now there's even a bigger mountain I need to climb. Our purpose often changes, grows, or becomes more refined with our understanding of it. This is very true for Jeremy Courtney. Jeremy began his path of purpose with a simple but monumental belief. I mentioned this phrase early on. I said uh, that we were surrounded by people who were basically oriented to say, shoot first, ask questions later. And we were trying to ask ourselves, could we be a people who would love first, ask questions later? Well, let me just admit now, that is a profoundly naive 20-year-old thing to say. Um, Only only someone in their, you know, early, mid-20s would say, ah, just, you know, enter a war zone and don't worry about the questions and the implications. We can live another day to ask those hard questions about the world. And, and as you live your life, you enter middle age, your kid's age, whatever it is, those questions just come raining down on you. You actually can't hold them at bay. 
um, in a really truly lived life, all the stuff just comes on suffering and death and loss. And, you know, you cannot hold that stuff at bay. And what we found is that that, that winsome, quirky little 20 year old motto, love first, ask questions later, it did not age well for us. Um, it's hilarious. In jail, in Iraq, I didn't want to anymore just be saying, ah, just love first, ask questions later. No, the, the answers were upon me. Never mind the questions. Oh, okay, it's jail. It's death threats. It's, it's seeing your friends get kidnapped and killed. Like, it all comes rushing in on you. And at, at middle age now, at this part in our journey, I guess, um, as, as it were, we've had to upgrade the, the fuel in our tank, so to speak. Um, <laughs> I love that. And, and so where we are today is we now remind each other and say to ourselves as a family, ourselves as a team, when the world is scary as hell, we're going to be a people who love anyway. Wow. Wow. And, and, and so what used to be love first, this sort of naive 20-year-old's approach to the world, has now become love anyway. Love anyway says, I acknowledge the hard things. I've lived through the hard things. I, I admit that it's scary. I admit that it may cost us everything. And I'm going to love anyway. And so I think maybe love isn't the most resonant thing with, with some of our friends on this call and, and what they think of as purpose. But do it anyway. Go anyway. Invest anyway. Gamble anyway. Uh, take the meeting anyway. Try anyway. I think all that is... Um, is a way that we can acknowledge the difficulty of what we're up against and not, not be these blithe, you know, naive youngsters anymore, but, uh, but to still move forward with a kind of resolve that says, no, I, I chose this. I'm doing it anyway. When all of my peers and everyone else is looking for a reason to not do it anymore, they're, they're not wanting to invest anymore, to go anymore, or to, to take those risks in the business world or the mentorship world or whatever anymore, I want to be a person who does it anyway. Jeremy took an incredible risk on his path to purpose, but don't let that dissuade you from finding your own path. You see, not everyone needs to go into a war zone to live a life of purpose because at the heart of purpose is people. And at the end of day, every business is in some aspect a people business. Join in as we listen to Zach Mercurio. I really see my purpose as helping to create spaces where people can think in a new way about what they do. I want people to feel better about what they do and to do better work. And I think to feel better about what we do every day starts with recognizing that everything that we do has an other-centered purpose. You know, every job, every task, if it's on the planet, there's a human being at the end of it. And when we can bring that human to the forefront of our lives and work, and I've seen it myself, but I've seen it in organizations, it could transform both how we do what we do and what we do in terms of our motivation, performance, wellness, satisfaction. I mean, you could Google like effects of purpose and hear all those things, but that the how it works is really powerful. Task, workdays, jobs, it all seems exceptionally ordinary, doesn't it? Not that important. That's not true at all, as Dr. Rick Rigsby explains. I think in a shallow, superficial culture, we tend to overemphasize the extraordinary at the expense of the ordinary. Give me a moment. 
former football legendary coach, Chuck Knoll, Pittsburgh Steelers, said on one occasion, champions are champions, not because they do extraordinary things. Mm. Champions are champions because they do the ordinary things better than anybody else. I had a third grade dropout daddy who was a simple cook at a military school. You know what he told me, Kevin? Son, whenever you go into a restaurant, sample the soup. Why is that, daddy? Because if the soup is not good, don't invest in the restaurant. <laughs> John Wooden, legendary coach yep. at UCLA. First thing he taught those blue chippers like Bill Walton, Sidney Wicks, Lou Alcindor, who changed his name to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar when he changed his religion. First day of practice, Wooden taught them the proper way to put on socks. Because if you don't know the proper way to put on socks, your feet will develop blisters and you will be of no use to the greater team. I think in a shallow culture, we minimize the ordinary. We ought to be mastering the ordinary. That is the greatest preparation for success, however you want to define it. Today, I define it as significance, very simply, encouraging others, wow. bringing hope to others. As I've often said, purpose thrives in community and dies in isolation. Yet many of us have had our path of purpose shipwrecked, and encouraging people is always a worthwhile pursuit. Rick leaves us with his parting thoughts on living on purpose. Rock bottom is not a bad place. It's okay. underrated in a shallow, superficial culture. As a matter of fact, I would never sign up for rock bottom. But there are things that you learn at rock bottom about true success that you can't learn on the mountaintop. As a matter of fact, I want to challenge the audience with this one notion. I want you to think about the greatest lessons you've learned and then how many of those lessons were learned on the mountaintop versus <laughs> through pain, through stretching, through forcing yourself to get up off the canvas, to changing your thinking, which changes your words, which changes your character, your habits, and your outlook. And so what I would say to you is, I had to learn in the midst of, do I commit suicide? In the midst of, do I keep going? In the midst of all of these decisions to appease my own flesh, I had to decide, am I gonna live? And for me, for several months, Kevin, to stand meant breathing. To stand wow. meant taking one step at a time. That, that was literally my standing. Then, then I started developing more as I said, well, you know, maybe there is a purpose for me. I can remember one critical moment. First tiny step toward discovering my purpose was changing my thinking. May I, may I explain? Yeah, let's, this is important, folks. There are a lot of folks in business who are shooting their own feet uh, and any kind of success from standing because you walk around saying what you can't do and what happened in the past. I get a chance to talk to sales organizations all over the world. And uh, sometimes those past no's will cause you to be reluctant to offer the question again in the present. And so one of the things that I was discovering is I was going around the house saying, I'll, I'll never have a normal life. I'll always be lonely. My boys will never have a mother. Things will never work out. Mm. And I'm thinking, why am I talking like this? Because what I was beginning to realize, now keep in mind, small steps, but my purpose is starting to become clear. Yeah. What I began to realize was that my words 
they were shaping my perception. Yep. Perception is how you view something. And so it took me a while during lots and lots of just quiet times to realize the only way that I'm going to change my perception is to change my thinking. You know, it was Frank Outlaw who said, watch your thoughts. They determine your words. Watch your words. They shape your habits and so on and so forth. Yep, watch yep. your habits. They, they shape your character. Watch your character. It determines your destiny. It all begins with your thinking. I would say to, to people in every walk of life, whether you're walking up to a casket or whether you're struggling to get to that next step in business, evaluate your words mm. and ask yourself, does your perception need to change? If the answer is yes, it begins by changing your thinking. It was Henry Ford who said these words, if you think you can, or if you think you can't, you're right. Wow, I hope you enjoyed these clips from our first Navigating North Summit. That's right, I said our first. We're currently exploring what's next in terms of continuing to support you on this amazing Navigating North journey that we're privileged to share with you. Before we go, let me conclude with a couple of brief thoughts as we put the bow on this episode of the Higher Purpose Podcast. Deep inside you and me is a longing. We both have a longing to belong, to find a place where you are loved, accepted, and valued for who you are. I hope you have such a place. If you don't currently have one, I hope you find one soon. Like me, I believe you also have a longing to contribute. As Tom Winninger said in the opening clip, you have a gift. And when you combine your gift with your unique wiring, your personality and your perspective, along with your journey through life, the highs, lows, ups and downs, well, you really are one of a kind. And you have a one of a kind contribution that only you can make. Don't miss out and don't rob others of the unique treasure you have to share. You are most fulfilled, most alive and energized when you are living on purpose and serving others as you make your way through this journey we call life. That's our hope for you. If you need help, connect with us. Remember, you are meant for more. Don't you dare settle for less. Keep navigating north in business, life, and leadership. And until next time, I'm your guide, Kevin Monroe. What will it take for you to live more on purpose in 2018? How can we help make it a reality? Feedback is a gift, and we'd appreciate yours so we can better serve you. Take two minutes and complete this three-question survey. Let's work together to live 2018 on purpose.